telemedicine is taking off nationally, and certainly some states might have more fluidity with telemedicine than others, thanks to changes in policy and payments regulation. But as the healthcare industry addresses how and when telemedicine will fully take root, companies like Dallas-based Access Physicians is taking on the challenge of growth in this area by concentrating on specialty services and filling gaps for those hospitals. That's especially meaningful for small and rural hospitals where costs and dwindling reimbursements are hitting home. Add to that the requirement for all hospitals to maintain an antibiotic stewardship program. The unique knowledge base required to build a thorough plan is certainly attainable, but Access Physicians is providing the expertise through their telemedicine platform. Today, we talk with Dr. Eddie Vadia, co-founder and physician at Access Physicians. He details how Access Physicians is going about their deployment and the savings their approach is providing hospitals. I'm Lance Lunsford, and you've clicked into the Connected Hospital Podcast. Well, Dr. Vidya, it's really great to talk to you. We've been working together for a, a long time, and I'm very familiar with Access Physicians and your approach, the, the team's approach to telemedicine. I want to get into that in a minute. And what we're talking today, though, is really digging into doing antibiotic stewardship programs through a telemedicine program. Can you tell us a little bit about the approach that Access Physicians takes and, and why it works in telemedicine and how you guys make it work for, for hospitals? Sure, absolutely. Lance, thanks for having me on. I appreciate the opportunity to, to discuss this. It's an important program and, and project for Access Physicians, and, and it's great to get the message out. You know, I think it's important to understand what a comprehensive infectious disease program looks like, and it's probably worth 30 seconds of understanding, you know, uh, global architecture there. When we discuss what a comprehensive infectious disease program looks like, it includes two things. Number one is direct patient care. And number two is antibiotic stewardship, which is why we're on this podcast. Direct patient care, as any consultative clinical program would expect, is when you have an infectious disease expert consulting on, on a given patient with complex ID needs. And, you know, again, an infectious disease expert is, is critical to that delivery of care. Generally speaking, there is a one-to-one relationship there as it relates to impact to the patient and to the hospital. So one infectious disease physician impacts one, one patient at any given hospital. Generally speaking, an ID physician leads an antibiotic stewardship program. And I think in, in short, for layman's, and I include myself in that, you know, an antibiotic stewardship program is just that. The key word there is, is program that focuses on the appropriate utilization of antibiotics. And I think it's important to understand two fundamental things. Your listeners should think about this in two ways. Antibiotic stewardship affects this issue of antibiotic resistance. You know, this is a global health problem. The WHO just named antibiotic resistance is one of the biggest threats of global health. And every hospital is faced with a growing multi-drug resistant organism problem. So humanity needs to take a stance on, on the appropriate usage of antibiotics so we don't ra- run out of effective agents to fight against uh, advanced or complex infections. And that initiative starts at the hospital level. And we believe clinical excellence can be delivered through a thoughtful, data-driven antibiotic stewardship program. The other thing to understand is spend, right? And we, we at Access Physicians believe that we need to deliver clinical excellence in a financially sustainable way. 
And so the number one pharmacy spend in any hospital is antibiotic spend. And by adjusting our practice of antibiotic usage, we can affect financial chain. So, so it creates a scenario where clinical and financial incentives for both practitioners and hospital executives are 100% aligned. And I think that's pretty rare. And I'm happy to get into the details of what an antibiotic stewardship program looks like. Yeah, I think what's going to be interesting, I think, is the distinction between what it would look like for our a hospital and what it would, if they were putting in at the ground floor and the cost and the program implementation and components itself and the way that you guys do it. Again, you're, you're published on this and you'll be able to, to see that in our show notes as, as some links to that on our show notes as well as your website. But when you talk about uh, developing those components of a program for the hospital, what makes your approach to doing that so distinct besides the fact that you can do it through telemedicine and in your leadership? Well, I appreciate that question. It's important to understand, I think, that Antibiotic Stewardship Program essentially develops best practice policies and procedures on the use of antibiotics and leverages, let's call it actionable data to monitor and optimize the antibiotic use throughout the hospital. So getting back to the difference between direct patient care and antibiotic stewardship, as opposed to direct patient care that has a one-to-one impact relationship, antibiotic stewardship impacts every patient receiving antibiotics at the hospital, not just those who have received an ID consult, right? And this is, this is really something very important to understand. So uh, the, our antibiotic stewardship programs essentially have three fundamental goals. Number one is appropriate use of antibiotics, subsegmented out in, into different variables, which include narrowing the spectrum of antibiotic use, shortening the duration of antibiotic usage, and so forth. So number one is appropriate use of antibiotics. Number two is decreasing spend on antimicrobial usage. And number three is ensuring compliance with regulatory mandates established by CMS and TJC accreditation. And those are our three fundamental goals, just to review appropriate use of antibiotics, decrease spend, and ensure, ensure compliance. And I think every hospital exec, every physician can get behind those three things. And, and let, me, let, me, let me say this. I think that in the market, quote unquote, the market, there are a few examples of supply-demand mismatch like infectious disease. And that supply-demand mismatch is further exacerbated by the fact that within the field of infectious disease, there is a subsegment of subject matter expertise in antibiotic stewardship. And to answer your question directly, through this concept of telemedicine, we can leverage our internal, nationally renowned subject matter experts to not just one hospital, as is traditionally delivered in person, but to several hospitals and hospital or hospitals within systems. So let's delve into that for a minute because we see this, and it's really the reason I think that the value proposition behind telemedicine is is so real. But we, we see it in other specialty service lines, so I want to make sure that we're we're on the same page. But what you're essentially saying is the the specialization of the subject or the subject matter experts in the field of antibiotic stewardship are somewhat limited, and so the the market forces, as you say, the supply and demand mismatch is going to potentially artificially drive that demand or drive that price high from this demand to get a, a program in place for these hospitals. Again, you can't, so your access physicians is in a, in a position where it doesn't have to put every single one of those physician leaders to run your antibiotic stewardship 
on site, but doing it instead remotely and, and almost in a viral way, being able to syndicate that efficiency across multiple hospitals. That's correct, Lance. You know, I think that one of the great things about telemedicine is you, is you remove this geographic barrier to healthcare delivery. And through telemedicine, you can take the program. And I think the listeners out there need to understand that this is a multidimensional, multidisciplinary program that is scaled through the technology of telemedicine. The telemedicine itself doesn't necessarily bring bring the value, but it's how we we can scale and reach audiences that would never have access to these programs. And I think because we have we have focused and developed a sub- subject matter expertise in the delivery of care through telemedicine, we feel like we can take this program and really scale it. What are you when you talk to to hospitals out there? You know, access physicians, and we want to deal with this here in a in a minute, talking about the broader programs that that you have taken on and at access physicians to build out telemedicine programs for hospitals. But what are you guys really seeing uh, in terms of hospital needs when it comes to needs that a hospital thinks that they have or or what their priorities are around antibiotic stewardship? Is it even occurring to them that the possibility of doing this in telemedicine is is a is a is an opportunity? It's a great question, uh, Lance. I, I, you know, it's it's emerging more and more into sort of uh, the mindset of executives, and that's primarily driven, frankly, through two things: is through legislation, which is the initial reason why we're actually on this podcast, is that there's new legislation driving uh, awareness, uh, and and uh, you know, with hospital execs, that's really important. But I think also. By and large, I think that infectious disease is viewed now as a, as a global sort of marker for quality, right? And I think that every hospital is looking to improve their perception of, of a higher quality institution or hospital and so forth. And an ID as it relates to infection prevention or antibiotic stewardship and so forth, these are, these are quality markers that a hospital can sort of hang their hat on um, in, in terms of the quality. That makes sense. Being able to do that in a in, a, in an efficient way, but how do you balance making sure that the team feels very much a part of, or that the, the hospital team and that physician that um, is part of the access physicians unit, how do you build that cohesion so that there's a working together and in, in partnership and lockstep and aligning priorities? Sure. This is key to, to the success of any telemedicine program and something that we take very seriously at access physicians. And and there's this concept that we've got to be a part of the medical staff at any given hospital. If you are going to affect change, if you're going to if you're going to improve things, if you're going to add to the quality at any hospital, you have to be a part of the team there. That's true for any one of our six core service lines, including infectious disease. One of these myths that I like to bust, if you will, is is when a hospital executive comes in and says, well, we have an ID doc in leadership and we don't want them to step on, we don't want to step on their toes by bringing your antibiotic stewardship program to the hospital. And we say, whoa, whoa, you know, first of all, we want to be a part of the medical staff. And so we want to be part of the team Two, We, we do believe in personalized design, right? And we, we want our antibiotic stewardship program to be an extension of that ID, ID leaders uh, position uh, initiative program at that hospital. So in other words, we will support ID leadership at any given hospital. Uh, we don't want to be competitive. We want to be supportive. I think lastly, I think people really embrace help. And 
if you can come in and, and offer a service line or a, a service offering that will enhance the ability of that leader to do his or her job, you're going to be in a great position. And what we have found with antibiotic stewardship is that a lot of these ID leaders are extremely busy, Lance. I mean, these these are working doctors who have, you know, seen, seen patients in the hospital, you know, seeing, you know, 20 patients in their clinic all on a given day. Oh, and by the way, now we're now we're going to be asking them to to you know uh, lead an antibiotic stewardship program you know to their plate. And what we can do is say, all right, why don't why don't we why don't we support you in in leading this initiative? We'll re- report to you. We'll design the program, deploy it, and manage it with you in collaboration with you. And I think that message has generally been accepted, but it's something that we have to overcome at any given hospital. Yeah, that's a good point. You know, I've seen a lot of physicians that, uh, like yourself, they get passionate about a program like this and making sure that there is a leadership voice, that there's a tone set for how important this is because they see that it aligns well with the the oath that they took and the reason they get in to medicine. But there is a certain level of pragmatism that has to take place where there's offsets. So investing in this the time, energy, and effort, as you say, to be a good leader in this area does does take a lot. And I, I think, you know, it's easy to take some of that physician um, investment for granted. Another reason I think it's so important for hospitals to look at ways to deliver this care more efficient or deliver a program like this more efficiently. And, and the prospect of telemedicine is really a great, a great way to, to look at that possibility. So, you know, and that speaks to that, or that leads to a question that I have of, we're starting to have kind of a softening towards the traditional or the, the longstanding kind of pushback that telemedicine has gotten. We're seeing more and more legislatively that has paved the way to payments and reimbursements for telemedicine programs, for physicians being able to bill, for hospitals being able to bill around that. Just in general, uh, and not speaking to the the comprehensive infectious disease program and the antibiotic stewardship program that we're talking about, but in general, are y'all starting to see more of an opening towards the possibility and, and value proposition that is represented by by, by telemedicine in, in general? Lance, great question. You know, I, I think that we have seen a full circle of in, in terms of how hospitals and executives are, are viewing telemedicine. I think, you know, back in, in sort of 2010, 11, 12, 13, I think it was just sort of this idea, right? This concept. And in many, many cases, a nuisance, right? People did not understand how to create an actionable telemedicine program. And I think what's happened over the course of the past several years is two things. Number one, we've been able to show that you can deliver great care, right? So we have demonstrated that clinical excellence can be achieved through telemedicine. Number two, we have been able to demonstrate that we can impact a hospital's financials positively, right? So we can deliver on financial sustainability. We can reduce costs. We can uh, generate new opportunities for revenue. Those two, those two things, both clinical excellence and financial sustainability, putting those two things together, that message has really started to, to hit home for executives at large. And because of those two things, and I think, I think the, the adoption that we're seeing today does not happen unless those two things are recognized. But because we have delivered on those two things, I think we are now starting to see a new wave of, of adoption. And I think that as you look five and 10 years down the line, we, we at Access Physicians believe that every hospital 
every clinical program will have a component of virtual care. And that is true both in the urban environment and in the rural environment. That brings up a good point. And here in a minute, I want to go through some of the myths that uh, are associated with everything that we've, we've talked about here today. But is the probability of being able to, to build out this antibiotic stewardship program even greater for the, the rural hospitals? I would assume that it, that it is through, through right. telemedicine program. Interestingly, Lance, I think our, our ideas on that have actually shifted. I think there's a wonderful opportunity in the rural environments to uh, deploy antibiotic stewardship. I think impact uh, the opportunity for impact is enormous. We have actually, just by speaking and engaging with hundreds and hundreds of of hospitals and hospital systems recognize now that the need for a comprehensive antibiotic stewardship program is also true for urban hospitals. Those lands are, are hospitals that can range anywhere from 150 beds to 400 beds in large urban environments, including here in Dallas, where, where we're headquartered. So I think that there's an opportunity both in urban and rural hospitals to, to, to have a high impact antibiotic stewardship program for a variety of different reasons, which I'm happy to get into. Tell us a little bit about what some of those myths are that are out there sure. right now that that are, you know, like anything else when it comes to healthcare, we are purpose built to be slow to innovation. And I, I think that if you talk to somebody outside of the industry, they would see that as a as a negative, but they don't really understand that in, in healthcare, you know, if you jump to innovation uh, or something that's quote unquote innovative, the way Silicon Valley does, um, people die in healthcare. And so... Right. That, that kind of purpose builds healthcare to be slow and, I guess, questioning of the promises of various technologies and innovations. And so it, it's purpose driven that we would have a slow adoption of telemedicine and slowly but surely we would get to where so many of these things that just seem like a given should, should be taken up. But, but what are some of the other the, the myths around what you deal with on a daily basis? I'm glad you really brought that issue up because the great thing about a comprehensive tele-infectious disease program, comprehensive antibiotic stewardship program, or, or, or any of our six core service lines is that it, it's not sort of revolutionizing, it's not revolutionizing how we think of care. From that standpoint, I think executives can really wrap their arms around it. I think the only difference is that we're scaling that, scaling the clinical program through telemedicine. And I think in 2019, I think executives and uh, hospital leaders are, are now willing to, to embrace that, this new wave of, of care. I think as I look at antibiotic stewardship, I think, I think of two or three fundamental myths that we always have to overcome. One, one of which I mentioned, hey, I have an ID leader. Uh, you know, I don't want to step on their toes. Therefore, we're, we're not going to deploy antibiotic stewardship. You know, we will collaborate with existing infectious disease leaders on deploying a comprehensive antibiotic stewardship program. The second thing is, and again, this is why we're on this podcast, is that a lot of folks, a lot of hospitals out, you know, out there are saying, well, we, we have, quote unquote, an antibiotic stewardship committee, so we're, quote unquote, doing antibiotic stewardship. The truth is that they are all correct. CMS and TJC mandate that these committees have to be created. So pretty much every hospital is, quote, doing a, you know, antibiotic stewardship, end quote. Interestingly, and as opposed to infection prevention requirements, there's no formal guidance from CMS on how to deliver antibiotic stewardship. So we feel like an antibiotic stewardship program is, is a program that requires an inclusive, multi-departmental design, is focused on capturing measurable data, and it, this is data that we can act on in real time. 
I mean, people need to be thinking dashboards and daily action meetings, right? It's it's very likely that if if a hospital executives it you know can check a box where a committee is meeting once 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 a month or or once weekly, we want to ch- we want to change their idea of what antibiotic stewardship is because. Uh, you know, those weekly or monthly committees are, are, have limited impact on how we deliver antibiotic utilization and how we, dr- how we, how we control costs. I think the third, the third myth is that we're not ready, right? We're not ready, right? And again, this goes back to access physicians really personalizing programs. We deploy these programs in phased approaches, and we're initially focused on simplicity and utilizing existing hospital resources, period, end of story, right? And so, there's no hospital out there who who isn't ready to get started on delivering antibiotic on a on an antibiotic stewardship program. Well, so I, I want to ask a, another possible myth here, um, and, and it may not be a myth, but modern healthcare in the last several weeks has done a great job of covering a couple of points about other areas of healthcare, but nonetheless have a significant overlap in technology, and that's in two areas: one, patient experience, and two. EHR implementation. And then a study was done that they published showing that top level CEO buy-in on EHR implementation was, was high. You had fewer mishaps with rollout of EHR. And in their other point on patient experience, they showed that when more the C-suite owned patient experience, that when everyone owns patient experience, that there's a much more dramatic improvement towards uh, or much more dramatic steps towards actually getting to that patient experience improvement. And so, uh, and we actually work with a, another client that that has been talking to a hospital who who does exactly what you said that builds a committee um, that brings all of those people together from IT to chief medical officers to C suites, but. To a large degree, do you see the possibility that there will be a realization that to maximize telemedicine, that that can be owned by more than just the IT team to make that kind of decision? Is that something that you'll see? Absolutely. I think IT is an important component of what we do because the technology, to your point, has to deliver on a great experience, but has to be operational, right? The buy-in portion of IT related issues is a is a shrinking portion of what we consider part of the global buy-in. And as we look at telemedicine, I think that we feel like if you don't achieve critical buy-in, then the program will not, you know, succeed. And so that includes executive buy-in, it includes physician leadership buy-in, it includes ancillary medical staff, nurses, respiratory therapists, and so forth buy-in. There needs to be leadership there that's bought in. And bringing this full circle back to antibiotic stewardship, I think that as you look at the the buy-in required to achieve uh, a successful antibiotic stewardship program, you need one, you need executive leadership. You need that CEO coming in saying, this is an important initiative for the hospital. Two, you need physician buy-in, right? Because without physician buy-in, you you can't deliver on the best practices, policies, and procedures that you establish at the antibiotic stewardship committee level. Three, you need buy-in from leadership within pharmacy. Pharmacy is a very complex machine at any given hospital. So you need you need buy-in at the pharmacy leadership position. You need to have your um, uh, infectious disease lab leader heavily involved in an antibiotic stewardship program. And so that's sort of the core of the, the antibiotic stewardship buy-in. We go to great lengths, site visits, 
phone calls, screen shares to actually achieve those buy-ins. And generally speaking, something that we have found successful is that on our site visits or what we call our winning hearts and minds sessions, we actually have our antibiotic stewardship program leaders actually give lectures, you know, during sort of an MEC or during a physician lunch, right? So that people understand, can put a face to the program, shake hands and so forth, and realize that we are we are just docs, right? We're just white coats trying to achieve quality within the hospital, just like they are. So to your point, I think buy-in is a, is a key step to, to succeeding in any telemedicine program, but in particular antibiotics. Well, th- this, is, this is great insight. And I think we're kind of coming to the, the end of what we set out to talk about today. But to, to wrap up, you know, hospitals have until March 2020 to fully comply with uh, development of a, of a compliance program uh, or of an of a antibiotic stewardship program. What are the key steps that you see that they need, that hospitals need to be taking um, if they haven't already started that journey or, or, or maybe um, make sure that they're resetting with a couple of key steps in that, that march towards uh, 2020? It's an important initiative. I think that I think executives need to need to begin understanding where they stand currently on the antibiotic stewardship initiative. I think that they can reach out to their infectious disease experts on staff if they don't have them. Then you know, obviously have a have a discussion with the chief medical officer or the chief nursing officer, who, who's a great resource as it relates to to antibiotic stewardship. I'd have them touch base with pharmacy and touch base with the ID lab director and go from there. And then once they've sort of consolidated the, those those perspectives within the organization, I'd love to really hear from them, right? And and we'd love to hear from them and get their thoughts on where they see antibiotic stewardship, you know, going within their hospital. We always start every meeting with a vision, with sort of a, an exploration, but more of a vision, um, you know, an opportunity to, to establish vision for the hospital. In those meetings, Lance, we do more listening than talking, right? We want to understand what what hospitals are trying to achieve, and then create that personalized site-specific program for, for these hospitals. This is great. And again, everybody that taking steps towards development of their, their program, or if in, they're in the middle of developing their program, you can learn more and have a demo uh, with, with Access Physicians by visiting accessphysicians.com. And we'll have some more details, like I said, in the, the show notes. But uh, Dr. Padilla, this has been uh, really insightful and really great. We appreciate your, your time on this. This is amazing. Lance, it, it's been a pleasure and we appreciate the opportunity. 